Good morning. It's good to be here. Hey, uh, just remember, next week we're going to celebrate Pentecost together, and both services are going to start at 10, so we can eat and play and have a good time just being together. So, special Sunday next Sunday. Um, a few years back, we were on a family vacation, extended family. There were lots of us. Whenever extended family gets together, um, there are a lot of games that are played. And one of the games that we played was a game called Super Fight. Now, if you know what this game is, you know what I'm going to talk about. But it's a card game, and you get dealt a certain number of cards. And from those cards, you form a superhero. And then you argue with another person why your superhero would beat their superhero. And to get the context of this, the the title on the box says, The Game of Absurd Arguments. And they were. It was very silly. It was fun. And I'm not harboring any resentment toward the people who voted against my argument in my family, but I think I should have won. No, it's just a silly argument game and meant to be funny. And maybe you felt a little bit like we were all playing that game this past year in terms of the kinds of conversations people were having and the arguments that they were making. And Paul, in his letter to Timothy, tells him why you should not get in those kinds of discussions. There are actually some conversations that you and I, as followers of Jesus, should avoid. And he explains why and the purpose. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Because as we live in a, in a world that is increasingly having strange conversations, we have to be thoughtful about how we approach and talk about truth with people. And Paul's gonna explain that to Timothy and to us today as we spend some time. So would you just ask the Lord to help you hear his word this morning, and then um, I'll pray for us, and we'll look at this passage together. Father, we are so thankful that you have given us truth. We know the truth of your word. There are so many things around us where we wonder what is true, but we know we can trust your word. So help us hear it this morning, and then even more important, help us apply it. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So, I want to, this is what I want to do. I want to read through, there's just four verses we're going to look at. I want to read through them twice. So here they are. He writes to Timothy, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So let me just read that again. But refuse 
foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Now, remember the passage we talked about two weeks ago, right before this, is the one where he says to Timothy, flee youthful lusts. So that fleeing youthful lusts is in the context of false teaching and false ideas. Too often we think of that just as one sin. You know, we hear that word lust and we think of just one sin, but it's the word desire, and it can be all kinds of things. And so I think in that context, one of the ways he is encouraging Timothy is flee this youthful idea that you are going to be able to change everybody by arguing with them, that you are going to fix them. You are going to just dump truth on them in a way that just, oh, I now see. And he's warning him against that. Now, there's other applications of that passage, too. But I want us to think about, um, there's three things that essentially he's saying here. The first is he's saying, don't get into certain kinds of conversations. Don't, don't engage in them because it's going to lead to quarrels. Quarrels. The second part is he says, instead, you need to be a certain kind of person and go about those conversations from a character so it talks about being a certain kind of person. And then the third thing is he gives us the status quo. Like, why is this essential? What's the condition of people that we are interacting with? And so those are the three things we're going to talk about this morning. But we're going to start with, we're going to start with the situation. So here, there's a really a sad situation here because he describes the people who don't know Jesus in this way. He says, first of all, they are ensnared. They're ensnared by the devil. Now, there's different ways that the Bible talks about this. Like um, Romans, in Romans, Paul talks about us as before Jesus as slaves to sin. We are trapped in a set of behaviors and a set of thinking. And, and so therefore, we're, we think people will like to think that they're free, they're pursuing freedom, but they're actually not. They're they're trapped in a way of thinking, in a way of behaving. So Paul says they're ensnared, and then because of that, they are doing Satan's will rather than their own. Like he's just got them confused. Think about um, how Satan entered into Judas the night that Jesus was betrayed, to do that. And you realize that we are affected by the influence of the evil one uh, people are affected by that more than they realize. It doesn't have to mean that they're demon-possessed. You don't have to go that far. But they're controlled by the ideas that dominate their thinking, and they're actually doing what Satan wants, what the evil one wants, rather than what they truly are co is coming from themselves. And then he says, we want them to come to their senses. And the idea here is that like they're drunk. They, they can't see clearly. So um, there was one time, uh, years and years ago, I was skiing with some friends, and I got knocked out. I, I, I kind of moved 
I, I swerved left and the sky was coming really fast and he hit me and I saw stars and I woke up, like I stood up and actually skied down the mountain, the rest of the little hill there, and then I blacked out, but I, I was walking around talking, like I woke up, I came to my senses in the bathroom and I'm like, how did I get in here? And, and I went outside and my friends were really worried because I kept asking what had happened, like I kept, I was out of, out of it. But I came to my senses. That's the sense here, is that people can't think clearly, they can't see things clearly, and we have to understand that as we approach conversations with them. That's, that's what we're dealing with. And so as we go a little further with that, we really have to remember that people are blind to the truth of the gospel. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded people from understanding truth, which is why our approach becomes so important. I, years, a couple, few years back, um, there was a little clip in Kathy's car that she was driving at the time that was broken, and so the, 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 the visor dropped down. And it was really irritating because whenever I drove the car, it was like it blocked my view. And I thought, well, I want to get that changed, but I couldn't see any little screw, like to unscrew it and take it out. And so I looked it up and found, like, I could buy this clip for, like, five bucks. You know, not, a, not expensive. But I wasn't going to pay, like, to have, you know, take it to the dealer and have them fix it. Like, what would that cost? So I didn't know how to do it. So what do you do when you don't know how to do something? I Googled it, and I found this little video on YouTube. There was this little tiny clip I couldn't see. You just kind of pull that little clip, and you just turn it, and it comes right out. Well, when you know how to do something or when you know what something's like, it's very easy to fix. But if you don't, you could easily break it. And that's why us understanding what's going on around us is really important. And why Paul says what he says to Timothy. You see, you get into some of these kinds of conversations and you're going to break it. You're not going to be helpful because they're not at a frame of reference to interact with you. So I want to show you Jesus' response as an example of this. There was a time when he was in the temple, and the priests came to Jesus and had some elders with him, and they said, Jesus, by what authority do you do the things that you do? And Jesus' reply was, well, I will answer your question if you answer my question. And my question for you is, John the Baptist, was his baptism from God or was it from men? Now, he had them with that question because they didn't really want to believe that John was from God. They just wanted to, you know, kind of dismiss him as not a prophet. But the people all recognized him as a prophet. So if they had said he's not a prophet, they would have um, just immediately lost credibility with the people they were trying to serve. But if they said, well, he is from God, Jesus knew that they hadn't done what he instructed. They hadn't followed him. So then they, before Jesus, Jesus could have said, well, then why didn't you believe him? Why didn't you trust him? Why didn't you do the things that he said? So they were on this horns of dilemma, 
They weren't genuine in asking Jesus that question. They didn't really want that answer because they wanted to follow him. They wanted to have a reason to accuse him later. So he had them, so they said, well, we don't know. And so Jesus said, well, in that case, I'm not going to answer your question. He didn't want to enter into it because he knew it wasn't going to be a genuine conversation. So people are blind to the gospel. And then the other thing we have to understand is even when someone is opposed to us as a follower of Jesus, even even when someone says um, awful things about us, we have to recognize the source of that. Jesus said to us, they are going to say all kinds of terrible things about you for my name. Like if you, you stand up for certain kinds of things and you're going to get criticized. The real enemy is not people. Even though they may want to think of themselves as our enemy, like even people who would say they hate us because of what we stand for, they're really not our enemy. The real enemy is Satan. Because our desire for people is they become different, that they know Jesus, that they find the truth. So that's the situation. So how do we respond to that? Well, the first thing is we avoid certain kinds of conversations that only lead to arguments. So I just want you to think about this past year and think about the kinds of conversations that people were having around you. How many of them were helpful, meaningful conversations, and how many of them turned ugly? (laughs) I was like, this was not helpful. Nobody walked away from this encouraged and built up. No one really learned anything. See, and we have to kind of pay attention to that. It's not like there's just one topic that we can say, well, don't talk about that topic. It's really not necessarily the topic. It's the context in, in where you are in relationship to people in terms of your ability to even have this conversation. There are some difficult conversations that we have to have. But how we go about that becomes incredibly important. So this is something I want you to think about. I want you to think about some of the conversations you've been having and think about whether they were helpful or not. And maybe you should have stayed out of that and looked for a different kind of way to get at that or do that. I know that's kind of horribly vague, but the problem with this message is it's so wide in terms of the kinds of things that you may want to avoid. So here's the second thing, and I think this is, this is incredibly important for us to think about, and that is what kind of people are we? He says to us that the Lord's bondservant is not quarrelsome. Now again, we've talked about Timothy And oftentimes this is just kind of a letter supposedly for church leaders, like it's only for pastors or it's only for elders or it's only for, you know, people who are leading the church. And I've been trying to say to you, although that's certainly a part of it, Timothy was a leader in the church, that's certainly a part of it. It applies to all of us. So as followers of Jesus, these should be qualities that that are describe us. So he says, the Lord's bondservant is not quarrelsome. Are you a quarrelsome person? Do you go looking for arguments? Like, does the idea of super fight really excite you because you can have a game where you can have arguments intentionally? See, we're not not supposed to be like that. 
And then he talks about kind. You know, sometimes you get into conversations and it's not kind. He talks about being able to teach. Now, again, when we hear the word able to teach, we will often think of what I'm doing right now. And you think, well, I'm never going to stand up in front of a group of people and teach. And, and yes, there's a part of that where Paul is saying, look, leaders in the church should be able to instruct people. But here's another way to look at this. Can you explain your faith to someone? Remember, Peter talks about how people might ask you for the hope that is in you. So if someone asks you, well, what do you believe? Could you talk about it? You don't have to stand up in front of a crowd and explain it, but can you talk to someone about why you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Can you talk about what it means to trust him? Can you talk about what gives you hope? Are you able to explain it? We all should be able to do that. Patient when wronged. Jesus told us we're going to have tribulation. He told us we're going to have bad things said about us. Can we be patient with that? Or are we going to be um, irritated in a way that goes on a Twitter rampage? Can we be gentle? So the goal here is freedom. What do we want for people who don't know Jesus? What do we want for them? We want them to know Jesus. We want them to experience the life that God wants us to have. And so our goal is to correct them gently so if God grants them repentance, they can come to a knowledge of the truth. And that's the other part of here, that blindness that we talked about there's a work of God that needs to happen for people to come to faith. And so we can't think of ourselves as manufacturing that. Like we can create the context, we can be certain kinds of people, we can live in certain kinds of ways, we can model what it's like to know Jesus and have that peace. But as we do that, God has to work in their hearts, right? We just create an environment where that, they can kind of have some information and they can know about that, we can answer their questions. So our goal is to correct gently. We constantly have to remember that the people around us, even those that might be very angry at us for some reason, they're still not our enemies. And our goal, Jesus said, love your enemies, so even if they identify as that, our responsibility is to love them. So let's just kind of review this quickly. First of all, avoid certain kinds of conversations. Well, how would you do that? You know, you could say something like, well, you know, you're asking some great questions, but I just don't think this would be the best time to talk about it. I think there's some other things that, that we could talk about. Deflect it or, or change the topic to some things that are going to not lead to that argument that you see coming. So avoid certain kinds of conversations that if you know it's just going to lead to a quarrel, it's not going to help anybody. Become a person who's gentle patient, kind, knows the truth, and is able to answer questions in helpful ways. And then finally, look for God to work so that they can be set free from their bondage. So I've got some homework for you to think about and just some ways that you can apply what Paul is saying to us in this context. 
So the first one is, what conversations are you having? Just think about the conversations you've had in your neighborhood or at work or with friends or any of the places you go. What are the conversations you're having? You know, I mean, sometimes it's about simple things, but what are the other kinds of questions that people are asking? And were they helpful or did you see things kind of getting into negative, negative areas? Just think about that. The second question for you is, are you gentle, kind, and patient? And maybe the answer to that is sometimes, <laughs> you know, once in a while. So what can you do to grow in those areas? See, what Paul is telling Timothy is, it's in our youthful, in our youthful mindset, we can go out thinking we are going to fix things, and if we go out thinking we are going to fix things with the spirit of anger, <laughs> that is not going to be helpful. But if we go out with kindness and gentleness, the manner with which we talk about things is going to be powerfully effective. As followers of Jesus, we know the future is not uncertain. It is certain. We have hope. God wins. Everything is going to be made right. There may be difficulty that we go through. We may have trials. We may have challenges. But God wins. We don't have to get into angry, um, irritated ways with people. We can be gentle and kind and patient. So here's the other thing that I think is really important for you to think about. If someone were to ask you certain kinds of questions, which of those could you answer? Can you answer why you think Jesus is the Son of God? Can you answer what... I've heard somebody talk about being born again. What does that mean? Can you answer what God's doing in the world? So think about what you can answer so that you know, like, yeah, I can help somebody with that. And then what questions can't you answer right now? Maybe you've heard a question. Maybe somebody's asked you something like, I have no idea. Well, that's a great way to, you know, like if someone asks you a question you don't know, you say, you know what, I don't have a good answer for that, but I know there is one. Can we talk at another time? Let me look something up. Let me find an answer for that, because that's a great question. When you say to someone, when someone says that, you can, you can honor them by saying, that's really important. I think that's a really good question. Can we talk about that when I know more? Because I... I I don't have an answer for that right now. That's a great way to continue a conversation. And then think about where are you going to find those answers? We joke about how you, you know, we know that it's true because it's on the internet. Get some good sources for answers. And one of the things that I want to encourage you as a small group to do when in your small group, think about this. Like maybe there's some questions you guys have encountered you could say, hey, let's, let's talk about these things. Let's find something we can read together. Or let's find something we can watch together um, that we can kind of talk about how we would answer these questions. Because Peter says to us, have an answer ready for those that ask for the hope that is in you. So my encouragement to you in this polarized time where you feel like everybody's playing super fight 
Think about how you are going to posture yourself in the relationships that you have. Can you think in terms of being gentle and kind and loving? Can you think about having meaningful conversations with people that are helpful? And can you think about avoiding conversations, not because you you're, don't have some answers, but you know that the spirit with which it's being discussed or kind of the way they're approaching you, it's not going to be a good conversation. It's not the right environment. It's not the right time. It may not even be that you're the right person to talk to that person. Don't feel the pressure to get engaged into arguments that are not going to be helpful. And I think these encouragements in terms of being kind and gentle and patient are far more important even than having the answers because it's our, it's our lives that proclaim the truth as much as our words. So that's my encouragement to you this morning. Let me pray. Father, we, we know that you came to give us life. You sent Jesus that we might know you. And we have truth. And Lord, the world around us is so lost in so many ways. And there are so many kinds of things that have created difficult conversations. We pray, Lord, that we might be people of peace, that we might be people of love and kindness and gentleness. And we, we move in the kinds of ways that allow your spirit to work through us to bring about more people knowing you and finding you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.